Al-Bayan Radio presents The Life of Prophet Muhammad, Peace be upon him, presented by Nidal Ayyubi. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters and welcome back to our series on the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Today we have reached our fourth lesson and insha'Allah we will discuss the first revelation and the first phase of prophethood and the worship and training of the early believers. My dear brothers and sisters, in our last lesson we spoke about the prelude or the signs of prophethood and we mentioned the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha in Sahih al-Bukhari about the commencement of the wahi or the divine inspiration or revelation to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. My dear brothers and sisters, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was 40 years old, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to reveal to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the first revelation, a revelation that would change the world. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was alone in the cave of Hira, engaged in worshipping Allah, just like he had done in the previous Ramadans. Until suddenly, as Aisha mentioned radiallahu anha, فَجَاءَهُ الْحَقِّ فَقَالَ اِقْرَأْ Until the truth came to him and said to him, read or recite and here it's referring to the angel Jibreel who came to him and told him to read or recite then the Prophet ﷺ said I do not know how to read then the Prophet ﷺ said the angel caught me forcefully and pressed me so hard that I could not bear it anymore he then released me and again asked me to read and I replied, I do not know how to read. Thereupon he caught me again and pressed me a second time till I could not bear it any more. He then released me and asked me to read. But again I replied, I do not know how to read or what shall I read. Thereupon he caught me for the third time and pressed me and then released me and said, اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق اقرأ وربك الأكرم الذي علم بالقلم علم الإنسان ما لم يعلم Read in the name of your Lord who created created man from a clinging substance Read and your Lord is the most generous who taught by the pen taught man that which he knew not. And these are, my dear brothers and sisters, the first five ayat from Surah Al-Alaq, Surah 96 of the Qur'an. Then the Prophet ﷺ returned with the inspiration and with his heart beating severely. Then he went to his wife Khadija bint Khawailid anha and said, Zammiluni, Zammiluni, cover me, cover me. They covered him till his fear was over. And after that, he told her everything that had happened to him. And he said, لَقَدْ خَشِيتُ عَلَى نَفْسِي I fear that something may have happened to me. Then Khadija radiallahu anha said, كَلَّا وَاللَّهِ مَا يُخْزِيكَ اللَّهُ أَبَدًا Never, by Allah, Allah will never disgrace you. You keep good relations with your family, help the poor and destitute, serve your guests generously, and assist those who deserve help. Khadija then took the Prophet ﷺ to her cousin Waraka bin Nawfal 
who during the Jahiliya or pre-Islamic period became a Christian and used to write the writing with Hebrew letters. He would write from the Gospel in Hebrew as much as Allah wished him to write. And he was an old man who had lost his eyesight. Khadija said to Waraka, Listen to the story of your nephew, O my cousin. Waraka asked, O my nephew, what have you seen? The Prophet ﷺ described what he had seen. Waraka then said, This is the Namus or the same one who keeps the secrets, meaning the angel Jubril, who Allah had sent to Musa or Moses. Waraka then said, I wish I were young and I could live up to the time when your people would turn you out or drive you out. The Prophet then said, Would they drive me out? Waraka then said, Yes, and said, Anyone or any man who came with something similar to what you have brought was treated with hostility or enmity. And if I should remain alive till the day when you will be turned out or driven out, then I would support you strongly. But after a few days, Waraka died, and the divine inspiration or the wahi or the revelation was also paused for a while. And as we said, this hadith is found in Sahih al-Bukhari, as reported by Aisha radiallahu anha. So my dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa stopped receiving revelation for a while. Now Ibn Hajar rahimahullah, he says in Fatuh al-Bari, the letting up or the pause or silence of revelation means that it stopped coming down for a period of time. And the reason why it happened was to allow enough time for the terror that had seized the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa to depart and to make him long or yearn for the return of the revelation. Now my dear brothers and sisters, the wisdom behind this pause in revelation, as some of the ulama have mentioned, is that this period of silence or pause in revelation was to give the Prophet ﷺ enough time to deal with the initial experience, evaluate the situation and realize the challenges ahead. As the role he was assuming was by no means an easy one. It required patience, strength, courage and determination. He had all these attributes, but the role of a messenger requires much more. The period of silence helped him prepare for his new role. Also, my dear brothers and sisters, the period of silence also indicates that the divine revelation or the wahi will arrive according to Allah's wish. The time would be determined by him, not by the Prophet Muhammad Now, after the pause in the revelation, the Prophet started to once again receive revelation. As Jabir ibn Abdullah related, as is found in Bukhari, that the Prophet said, While I was walking, all of a sudden I heard a voice from the sky. I looked up, meaning I looked up to the sky, and there was the angel who had come to me in the cave of Hira. He was seated on a throne or a chair between the heavens and the earth and I became frightened by him. I then returned to my home, to my family, and said, Zambiluni, cover me. Then Allah revealed the following ayat. Ya ayyuhal muddathir, qum fa'anthir, wa rabbaka fakabbir, wa thiyabaka fatahhir, warrijza fahjur. Ayyu, who covers himself with a garment, referring to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Arise and warn, and your Lord glorify, and your clothing purify, and uncleanliness avoid. Here referring specifically to idols or generally bad conduct and morals. 
And these are the first five ayat of Surah Al-Muddathir, Surah 74 of the Quran. And the Prophet ﷺ continued to say in this hadith, revelation intensified and then came down in succession. Or after this revelation started coming strongly, frequently and regularly. My dear brothers and sisters, also from the early revelation or wahi was the star of Surah Al-Muzammil, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُزَّمِّلْ قُمِ اللَّيْلَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا نِصْفَهُ أَوْ انْقُصْ مِنْهُ قَلِيلًا أَوْ زِدْ عَلَيْهِ وَرَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا إِنَّا سَنُلْقِي عَلَيْكَ قَوْلًا ثَقِيلًا Ayyuh who wraps himself in clothing. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who was asleep wrapped in his garments. Arise to pray the night except for a little, half of it, or subtract from it a little or add to it and recite the Quran with measured recitation. Indeed, we will cast upon you a heavy word meaning the revelation, the wahi, the Qur'an, which was descending on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So these ayat, my dear brothers and sisters, in this surah prepares the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam for his mission of delivering the message and it prepares him to be a caller. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in this surah, إِنَّا سَنُلْكِ عَلَيْكَ قَوْلًا ثَقِيلًا Indeed, we will cast upon you a heavy word. A heavy word meaning the Qur'an and the burden of the da'wah that it encompasses and the deeds that it obligates. This revelation, my dear brothers and sisters, brings with it heavy responsibilities such as the laws contained in it and the responsibility of conveying it. My dear brothers and sisters, in the early revelation, in the ayat from these three surah we have mentioned, the path or the manhaj of the caller becomes clear. So a caller, he must take these steps which are found in the early revelation. Firstly, ikra, to read and recite, to seek knowledge. And we are ummah of knowledge. The caller must seek knowledge. He must learn, study, ponder, contemplate over the Quran. Learn the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the way and the path of the Salaf al-Salih. Secondly, kum. He must arise and warn, give da'wah, propagate Islam, call to the haq, enjoin the good and forbid the evil. And thirdly, kum, meaning stand up and pray. The caller, he needs nourishment for his soul. And this is found in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is food for the soul, my dear brothers and sisters. So the caller must stand up and pray, especially during the last third of the night. And as we know, the night prayer is the most beloved prayer to Allah. It is the best prayer to Allah after the obligatory. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, in regards to how the Prophet wasallam would receive revelation, Wahi. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he mentions in Zad al-Ma'ad that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would receive revelation in six ways. Firstly, the true dream, as we mentioned in the hadith of Aisha found in Sahih al-Bukhari. Secondly, inspiration. This involved the angel blowing into the Prophet's heart without the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam being able to see him. Thirdly, revelation that would come to him like the ringing of a bell. As the Prophet said when he was asked by Aisha, how does revelation come to you? He said, 
Sometimes it comes to me like the ringing of a bell and this is the hardest for me. Fourthly, revelation that is inspired to the Prophet ﷺ, not by the way of Jibreel ﷺ, but directly from Allah. And this is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke directly to the Prophet ﷺ, just as he spoke directly to Musa ﷺ. And this of course happened when the Prophet ﷺ made his miraculous night journey or the Mi'raj. Fifthly, the Prophet ﷺ would see Jibreel in the form upon which he was created. And this occurred twice, where the Prophet ﷺ saw the angel Jibreel twice in his original form, with 600 wings. One shortly after receiving revelation for the first time, and once when he made the miraculous night journey to the heavens, or the Mi'raj to the heavens. And the final way which Ibn Qayyim mentions rahimahullah is Jibreel would sometimes come to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the form of a man. And this is found in the famous hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam saw Jibreel in the form of a Bedouin and he asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam a number of questions about Islam, Iman, Ihsan and the signs of the hour. Now the mission of the Prophet wasallam began and he accepted his duties as a Prophet and Messenger with complete and firm obedience. He answered the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by inviting the members of his household to worshipping Allah and in keeping with his commandments. Now my dear brothers and sisters, the Meccans were a rough people, accustomed to settling their disputes with swords. And worse than that, they clung to idol worship because it had been their practice of their ancestors who had strayed far away from pure Tawheed from the pure religion of the Prophets Ibrahim and Ismail alayhim as-salam. Now the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam sensing the opposition and enmity that may come his way from the pagan Meccans, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam began to quietly teach those closest to him, those whose hearts he felt would be open to the truth. And the ulama, may Allah have mercy upon them, have called this the secret core or the private core. For the ulama have broken up the Prophet's mission into categories and stages, which are Al-Fatratul Makkiyah and Al-Fatratul Al-Madaniyah, the Meccan period and the Medinan period. And the Meccan period is referring to the first 13 years of the mission of the Prophet ﷺ. So from when he was 40 years old until he made Hijrah to Medina, 13 years later when he was 53 years old, and then the Medina period is for the rest of the life of the Prophet ﷺ for the next 10 years or so. And also the Meccan period is further broken up into a few categories. The first category being, or the first stage being, the secret or private core. And this went for around three years. And then, and then the stage of the open core, which went from around the fourth year after prophethood until the migration to Medina. Now some have added the third stage in Mecca, and that is from the end of the 10th year after prophethood until the Hijrah to Medina. And they said this stage is the stage of the call to Islam and propagating it beyond or outside Mecca. So my dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet ﷺ now begins to call those close to him, his close family members and his close friends, who then call those who are close to them. And this is the initial stage of the da'wah, the private core or the secret core, which lasted for around the first three years of prophethood. 
So from the early believers, my dear brothers and sisters, was the Prophet ﷺ's beloved wife, who once again showed her virtues when the first revelation came down, supporting and reassuring the Prophet ﷺ. She was the first one to believe in him. And then Abu Bakr an, the greatest man after the prophets and messengers, and also the first Khalifa, the first successor of the Prophet ﷺ. Then those in his household, such as Ali ibn Abi Talib, who was living with the Prophet وسلم, due to the fact that Abu Talib was having a hard time financially. So Ali, the cousin of the Prophet وسلم, was living with the Prophet وسلم, and he accepted Islam as well. And it's mentioned that he was around 10 years old. And also Zayd bin Haritha an, now Abu Bakr an, he immediately started to call others to Islam. And Abu Bakr was a successful merchant and was one of the most respected figures in Mecca and was a specialist in the lineage and family history of the Arabs. And he was someone whose company was sought. He immediately called those whom he knew and from the fruits of his da'wah were some of the greatest companions and from those promised paradise such as Uthman ibn Affan, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, Zubair ibn Awam, and Talha ibn Ubaidillah, and all of them, my dear brothers and sisters, are from those who were promised Jannah, who were promised paradise. Now once they entered Islam, others began to follow. And from the early believers was Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah, also from those promised paradise, radiallahu an, Abu Salama, the Prophet's cousin and nursing brother, Sa'id bin Zayd bin Nawfal, also one of the ten promised paradise. His wife Fatima bint al-Khattab, Umar's sister radiyallahu anhumah, Khabbab bin al-Arat and al-Arqam bin Abi al-Arqam, and also Umair, the brother of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Ammar bin Yasir, whose parents also became Muslim, Abu Dhar and his brother Unais, and their mother also Bilal bin Rabah, and also Suhaib al-Rumi. May Allah be pleased with all of them. So these are the early and best of Muslims, my dear brothers and sisters. Now there are many others who also entered Islam and that's why some of the ulama have said that those who embraced Islam in the early days of Islam are called the earliest believers and the scholars have put their numbers at around 130 but the exact time of them entering Islam and taking their shahada cannot be determined. So this 130 may include those companions who also embraced Islam after the Prophet ﷺ began preaching his message openly with the open core, which insha'Allah we will discuss in our next lesson. Now my dear brothers and sisters, during the da'wah as-sirriya or the secret private call, the believers were being trained in how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and in prayer. For as we saw in Surah Al-Muddathir, it wasn't only an instruction for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it was for the believers as well. It gave the believers a set of rules to live by. It was teaching the believers how to praise and invoke Allah and that each person will reap what good or bad he earns in this world and that he will receive the recompense for it in the next world and it is guiding one to the way of true success. Now my dear brothers and sisters, other duties and acts of worship were also given to the believers in the early stage of the da'wah. After Iman in Allah and his messenger was firmly established, the believers were instructed to build on their faith, to build on their Iman with the greatest act of worship after Tawheed and belief, and that is Salah. Jibreel alayhi salam taught the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa how to perform wudu' and how to perform the prayers. 
Now, my dear brothers and sisters, the scholars agree that the five daily prayers were not made obligatory until the night of Al-Isra al Mi'raj, which happened around a year and a half before the Hijrah to Medina, as Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, has mentioned in his tafsir. So the question presents itself, what about before? Were the believers praying? Now, what is clear is that the Prophet ﷺ and his companions used to pray before the five daily prayers were made obligatory. So prayer, my dear brothers and sisters, was originally enjoined in Mecca at the beginning of Islam because there are Meccan ayat that were revealed at the beginning of the Prophet's mission that encouraged prayer. Now, some of the scholars are of the view that prayer was made obligatory at the beginning with two rak'ah or units in the morning and two rak'ah or two units in the afternoon. Ibn Hajar, rahimahullah, he says in Fathul Bari that a number of scholars are of the view that before the Isra, there was no obligatory prescribed prayers, but prayers were offered at night without any number of rak'at or units being specified. However, others, and Ibn Hajar, he quotes Al-Harbi, was of the view that prayer was made obligatory two rak'ahs in the morning and two rak'ahs in the afternoon, or the Ashiyah. Now Imam al-Shafi, rahimahullah, he narrated from some of the scholars that prayer at night was obligatory, then was abrogated by the ayah in Surah Al-Muzzammil, ayah 20. So recite what is easy from it. So it became obligatory to pray for part of the night, then that was abrogated by the five daily prayers. Abu al-Hajar also said, rahimahullah, before the Isra, the Prophet wasallam definitely used to pray, as did his companions. But there is a scholarly difference of opinion as to whether any kind of prayer was made obligatory before the five prayers or not. It was said that what was obligatory at first was prayer before sunrise and prayer before sunset. The evidence for this is the ayah in which Allah says, and exalt or glorify your Lord before the rising of the sun and before its setting. And this ayah is in Surah Taha, ayah 130, and there are similar ayat to this. Now my dear brothers and sisters, the revelation during the early Meccan stage of the da'wah mainly focused on Tawheed, the oneness of Allah, the worship of Allah alone subhanahu wa ta'ala, the purification of the soul, judgment, the day of judgment, or al-hisab, meaning this life is short, and the hereafter is permanent, and we will be judged on the day of judgment and paradise and hell, eternal joy or eternal punishment. My dear brothers and sisters, the ayat of the Quran in this stage also offered much in the way of inspiration and admonishments. The Prophet ﷺ, he taught his companions the meaning of the ayat revealed to him, and he offered them a perfect model or example on how to live by the teachings of the Quran. He وسلم, led them from the darkness of shirk and disbelief to the light of iman and tawheed, of true belief and true faith. He showed them the straight path and he advised them and encouraged them to hold on to the deen, the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now my dear brothers and sisters, although the Prophet وسلم, had not yet preached his message in public, the Quraysh, the Meccans, came to know of his activities. But the Quraysh in general paid no attention to it. Similarly, the Prophet ﷺ did not oppose them or their gods at this moment. But soon, things will change. Soon, the message will be proclaimed openly to all of Mecca. And this is when the enmity begins. And this is what we'll discuss 
in our next lesson تعالى, in which we will start by discussing the open call to Islam and with that we conclude Barakallahu fikum Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh